Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. Zero Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really and truly all day long like 7-Eleven. There was an option to go into a naked sauna. Who's using Tinder on a press trip? And I went to some fucking hole in the wall place and I was like, this is shit. I don't like this crap. What is up, everyone? Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Eben. And I'm Tim. And I'll be honest with you, today's episode, it's not half bad. Because we've got Todd Walker here, a former reality show host, local Fox reporter, contributor to Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine, and a travel writer. He's here to talk about the wild and often uh, misunderstood world of press trips. And Tim, I mean, we know a thing or two about press trips, but Todd is full of hilarious stories and, unlike us, pretty good insights. Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes when I'm on press trips, I find myself wondering if I'm the only person that's thinking the things that I'm thinking. And Todd confirms everything that I've always thought about press trips in this episode. Yeah. So, and for anyone who doesn't know, press trips are basically the bread and butter of what we do as travel writers. It's when we go to different destinations um, hosted by destination themselves and uh, usually accompanied by a few PR people. And we do a bunch of experiences and we write about it. And these trips can usually be either solo, um, so we're just there on, by ourselves, or um, they're with groups of other writers, photographers, influencers. You meet a bunch of weirdos, it's great, and when people ask what we do for a living, this is it. This is what we're talking about. This is what makes the job fun. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, and we're going to break down some of the uh, awkward and hilarious things that happen on press trips in this episode. Todd is perhaps the best person ever to explain these things, it turns out. Yeah, and I actually met Todd on my very first press trip ever, which was to Aruba. And that was the perfect intro to press trips for me because this Aruba trip had it all. It had every single archetype of personality that you meet on these things. Every stereotype you could imagine about uh, writers and photographers, it had it all. And Todd, when we first met, he pretty much said, all right, Evan, here's, here's how it goes. There's basically like five different kinds of people. Everyone fits into one of these five categories. There's, you know, there's the annoying person. There's the high maintenance person. There's the guy who does nothing. There's the girl who just takes pictures of herself the whole time. And every point for point, everything he told me was right. It's basically a reality TV show in that a bunch of strangers get flown to, you know, an island or a destination and just get fed food and booze for four days straight and you never know what's going to happen. Some people, I mean, you're there to learn about the destination and write a really good article and, uh, you know, inform your readers. But some people don't handle it so well. Yep. And so before we jump in, just one quick question for you, Evan. Which one of those people are you on the press trip? I don't care as long as I'm not the one who everyone hates. Because there's always one person who lacks self-awareness who's a little annoying, a little obnoxious, and everyone kind of bonds over hating them. And they serve a purpose because they actually act as this catalyst for bonding for the rest of the group. But as long as I'm not that person, I'm good. I'll be the guy that eats everyone's leftovers. 
All right. Well, with that, we'll get into the interview with Todd. Got a lot to say. So, Todd, thank you for joining. No blackout dates. Good to see you, buddy. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been like two years since uh, we were together traveling. And was it Aruba? It was Aruba. Yeah, my first ever press trip, and I fucking met Todd of all people. <laughs> uh, you, let's just say you used me on that press trip. I was here. Uh, I, I right when we got there, you know, you kind of scout the room. You look around. You thought some of these freaking losers that are like with their notepads like taking, <laughs> writing everything down i'm like fuck i'm not gonna talk to that guy and then i look over at evan i can see that he's scouting the room doing the same thing like going through each and every person it's like it's like the first day at school you know you're like all right yeah. like, who's in my class like who am i gonna sit next to like who and i think we sat we sat across from each other at that uh that first yeah. night at the the beach it was this like very nice like fancy dinner at the aruba marriott yeah, we were sat. Yeah, I remember it was out on the beach. They had like you know torches around us, and uh, you'd make the small talk. And I thought, and Evan does have that personality that he just literally scouted the room. He thought, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to say much. I'm going to scout the room and see what these people are all about. And then uh, next thing you know, we were doing shots of tequila in the bar, and Evan was on his phone cruising tinder to see what the women are like in aruba that's true <laughs> so who's who's using tinder on a press trip is what i how does that go you like meet a girl definitely only one night you're gonna who isn't using tinder on a press trip tim jesus <laughs> yeah fair enough it was fun it was a good trip it was it was an interesting crash course to press trips because i got an immediate introduction to the weird reality show type cast that you meet on these things and it was my first one so todd was kind of like my like supervisor almost and was like all right so this is how it works like you're gonna have the girl that's like a ton of drama you're gonna have the guy the guy that's a know-it-all you're gonna have this guy that doesn't do anything and just here for the ride like totally sure enough, there was one of pretty much all those people you know absolutely it seems like every single time you have that you you find that guy that, that's the know-it-all uh, that really his means his whole conversation is wanting to share with everybody all the places he's been and all of his connections. Mm -hmm. And then you have that fraud. I mean, seriously, every single category on every single press trip. I mean, I just got back yesterday that had every one of those categories filled. I mean, isn't it true though, guys? I mean, they're annoying. Yeah. And my first, well, my first press trip was a solo trip, but the first time I went on a group, a group press trip was uh, to Quebec city and it was exactly that there was the there was the high maintenance blogger that complained about everything and didn't want to do half the stops on the itinerary and then there was it wasn't a guy it was a it was a woman that every single story she told the entire like 4 days started with well i was on a press trip in every single time and, and by by the end of the trip I, there was me and this other girl that was on the trip were like making fun of her like behind, like she's she's going to talk about four press trips while we're at this lunch like guaranteed i, I know I and mean, what is with some of those people and they the, the one-upmanship showing that, that where they've been and wanting to work it into any conversation possible that they they have traveled where they've traveled and all the connections they have it's it's interesting on on press trips do you feel like i've had a couple of press trips where i Felt like I did a really good story and it was like a well-reported story and I actually felt like a legit journalist. But then I've had others where I'm like, this is this is nonsense. This is a bunch of fluff. I know. Um, the, guys, I do have to share with you because I just came off of a press trip. I was in 
it was in Arkansas, Hot Springs, Arkansas, Arkansas, and one of the chicks was a hot fucking mess, like you can't believe. She missed missed, missed her flight getting getting to the um, Hot Springs. Once she got there, she was just plain annoying anyway. But we went we went out one night, and um, she of course claimed she didn't eat much that day because she was at the airport and whatever. Fuck that. Get airport food. She got so drunk that she basically almost fell down the stairs leaving the bar on the, the next day, like with everybody yeah. else. Wow. Yeah. And then the next day, wait, this gets worse. So the next day we're all having to go to our first, you know, um, you know, meet the, some restaurant, some breakfast place here, the sob story. And uh, she's not there. And we're all wondering where she is. So she's so hung over. She couldn't get out of bed. We had to go pick her up. She gets in the van. We're halfway to our next destination, and she's like knocking on the window. You got to pull over. You got to pull over. And next thing, she's just like outside of the van, throwing up, yakking on the side of a freeway. Oh and no! Then, yeah, and then slept in the van the rest of the time and missed basically missed eighty percent of the press trip. So there's always one of those. Too. How did she? Was she just drinking at like dinner with you guys the night before, or was she just like solo at the hotel bar, like getting plastered by herself? I think it was a I think it was a combination of both. Okay. She claimed that she she claimed that she stopped for a margarita at the airport, and it turns out some of the people I was traveling with have traveled with her before, and she's kind of a notorious for this. But yeah, just embarrassing to do something like that. So, how was the vibe on the rest of the trip? Because it seems like that's something that would like severely alter the aura of the of like five people traveling around in a van together oh yeah oh yeah it'd be i mean of course you know i'm pretty out there with it i'm like you know trying to find my ebon in the group to be able to like commiserate with and complain about um but yeah so it did kind of change the whole vibe todd how would you characterize like the general what is the personality like what's the typical personality you'll find on a press trip well i think let's let's go through that guys we all would i i think we'd agree that there are certain categories that everybody is in. There is the, there is the know-it-all. There mm -hmm. is the person that is simply there to uh, expand their, their their knowledge yeah. of their travels and is are going to find any way possible to work it in to every conversation. Was that radio on our trip? Was that radio? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. There's. I mean, there's. Yeah, yeah he was so mm -hmm. fucking annoying. And so there's that person. So when we get there, he, Todd's like, so there's this guy. I've been on a trip with him before. I call yeah. him radio because of the tone of his voice. He talks like this. And he's just, he just, he's just going to talk uh, the entire time about places he's been and be a nice guy, very nice guy. But, like, he's going to be a know-it-all. He's going to, sure enough, like, he's, like, yep. point for point, accurate. And there was a guy like him on every trip I've been on since. So he yeah. nailed that one. Yep. Radio, we called him. The kind of person that you go into a restaurant with the PR person, the whole group, and this guy goes up to get the table instead of the PR rep. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then there's always, and then I always like to spot the fraud because there's always, there's always a scammer in the group. Mm -hmm. Every single totally. time. Totally. And, that, and you can, you, I, I like looking the, looking the room over and try and decide who the scammer is. And I mean, you know, it's the person that is, that is a, you know, that's a blogger. And you immediately look to try to find their blog and they're, you know, they might not even, they might not even be out there or the, the person I was on a press trip and the person had this janky old fashioned recorder and claimed that they were doing, um, that they were going to take that recording and they were going to turn it into a podcast and do it, do it when they got back home. It was a complete joke. And there's always that person. I mean, don't you guys always have a scammer on the trip? Yeah, I, 
I'm always looking around because there's always somebody that I'm at least one person. I'm like, why are you here? Like whoever curated this trip, why did they, why are they paying to bring you here? Like what value are they getting out of spending X amount of dollars for you to be here? Completely. I mean, they're completely, and you've got to wonder when they, when they're vetting these people, do they not think, you know, this person isn't legit and it's going to be embarrassing to them for the CVB that this person is there. I mean, just I, they're always there's a scam in every single group. But just recently, I also, but this is when we talk about the scammers. A lot of times, and I've been running across somebody who is you maybe a legit re, a reporter and or journalist, and then they bring along um, they bring along their significant other who is, is taking pictures, and it's like, okay, that's a scam. Well, I went on a trip uh, with a, an influencer in um, in Florida, and she. Very nice. Her and her husband were really nice, but she was the only one with a plus one and she brought her husband and all he did was take pictures of her the entire time. His job, his function was to be her photographer, basically. And I just felt so bad for him. I think they got divorced, actually, but I'm not sure. Well, how, how do you guys feel about the influencers? Tim, ask Tim because Tim is a, a potentially reformed, uh, of reformed opinion on this. So here's my thing with it is like, I get if you are a photographer and a social media person and and that's how you do it, or if you use your social media to accent other work that you do, be that writing or whatever. Right. What I don't get is the the look at me, look at me, look at me kind of thing. And where I, I've got to everywhere we go, spend half an hour taking selfies of myself by the water, and then I've got to spend thirty minutes taking a photo of my lunch. And I just I agree. I was on a uh, a very nice cruise line uh, doing a story, and um, there were probably twenty people, twenty five uh, people on the press trip, and over half of them were influencers, and they were all under probably under twenty eight. And they just, I mean, they didn't feel any sense of obligation to be on time, to show up at some of the events. I got to say, though, like, I understand all that. It is kind of like annoying when you're like, I have to write a whole thing, like a whole article or multiple articles, and all you have to do is take pictures. But at the same time, just like socially, writers and photographers in general, I think, are just like sometimes very socially inept people as a group. Yeah. And influencers like know how to interact. Like they are fun. They want to go out. Like True. it's just, I, I would a hundred percent rather go on a trip with vapid influencers than like mm -hmm. 10 socially awkward writers and try to have to find like the one yep. guy I get along with. Okay. So I was on a press trip where this dude was so, I mean, literally more fucking annoying than radio was. I mean, just an annoying creature. The know-it-all talks too much in the car and continually wants to try to get your leads. So Todd, you were in Norway, uh, you know, because uh, I did a story on the happiest places on earth. So I did Norway and Finland. And he's like, so, you know, trying to, try to, he was that guy that's trying to get all your leads. I'm like, what, what are you doing here? So here's what happens to him. He had actually driven to the destination. Um, and so he went out uh, after we all went out, the fucker got a Dewey, got a DUI. Oh no. <laughs> So nobody knew. So the next morning, everybody was like, where is this dude? And you couldn't find him. The person that was putting on the trip was, and I'm like, this is fishy, but I'm liking it because that guy was such a fucking uh, asshole. And so it turns out the organizer traced it back and found out and from the hotel and the whole bit, the, the, the loser was in, sitting in fucking jail and got a DUI. 
Oh and, my and, god! Yeah, and the, the second, the second most amazing one was um, a guy went. <laughs> I was on a trip, and this guy was another. They're always fucking losers. This shit happens to. He uh, got arrested for indecent exposure. <laughs> What was he just going to the bathroom or was he actually like exposing himself? No, it was a, it was a beach destination and he went skinny dipping and then didn't just didn't stop with just going in the water. Oh he, my like, God. Exposed himself and he got, yeah, he got caught. He got, he got uh citation for an exposure. On the first guy though, I, I always, again, it's like a guy went out by himself and just got like fucked up. Right. Like apart from the group, what is that? I don't, I don't get like, it's funny when it's like you're in, you, you have a group of people that you're with on this, on this group trip and everyone goes to bed or whatever. And you just like stay out on the one hand. I am like, why would you even, why would you do that? On the other hand, I totally get it because you are that guy. Totally. I was just okay. Like- all right. All right. All right. Well, okay. I, I wasn't, I wasn't just like out by myself, like getting fucked up on my own. I had like plans. That was the thing. Oh, but you would have, Oh, you're so outing <laughs> yourself on this one. Cause you would have. Because there's there is Evan on Tinder finds finds the the woman of his dreams in Aruba and calls and texts me and he needed a wingman because he's like I said okay. well why don't you just meet her tomorrow night that's the true story and you were like completely you were like well I think she's kind of hot I just want to go and so went and you know you had to go meet her and I had to get out of bed so you would have gone by yourself you would have been that guy okay well just to clarify for anyone who cares which is let's be honest nobody. Uh, it wasn't from Tinder. It was the girl I met at the bar the previous night. Todd, you left a, a little early, I think. Oh, you're right. But no, you're right. I was that guy. I have been that guy. I will be that guy again. I stand corrected. Oh, yeah. But he, but, but Tim, Evan has rules too. Because then if you're going to be his wingman and you go out with him like that, I remember he distinctly said, you know, if it's going, if it's going really well, after I meet her, you can leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, I'm making me sound like a dick. No, that's true, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll I'll add though that this stuff and hearing these stories, particularly of this guy that got a DUI, I, not so much the DUI thing, but I, it makes me glad that I am not. I was not on press trips when I was like 24 because I was an idiot when I was young and I partied a lot. I don't. I probably wouldn't have driven around and embarrassed myself but i definitely would have just gone out every night by myself and been like okay tonight i'm gonna go to this neighborhood and party then the next night i'll go to this neighborhood and party and now i'm a little older and i'm like eh. but i'll share before we move on that my first date with my wife was very much what you described evan what where what you do is if it goes well you boot the person out <laughs> Ali, you guys are making me sound brutal right now Alicia shows up to the bar with her friend and we're hanging out, having like a beer. And after maybe a half a beer, her friend is like, okay, I got to go. And it turns out I learned this later, but she had like whispered to her, like, you can go. He's not a total creep. You can go. But she, but she brought her friend in case you were like a dud, right? Yeah. She brought her friend for sure. Yeah. And she hung out for like 20 or That's 30 cool. minutes. Well, Todd, you know who also showed up on that date? I think uh, after you left, you went to sleep was Carell. Oh, I think he just wanted to say right. goodbye because it was the last night. But yeah, he he and that guy was I love that guy. He's like a celebrity photographer in LA. Yeah, no, I, I follow him on Instagram too. He's pretty interesting, man. He's 
photographed some pretty uh, pretty famous people. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, maybe we can have him on. He'd be a good guy to have on. But yeah, this girl's like, why do you have a rotating cast of like friends showing up on this date? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's my last night here. I want to like hang with them, but also do this. So It's the mystique, though. It adds to your mystique because you have this crazy life where you're on the road all the time. And these people that you just met like three days ago are coming to say goodbye to you while you're hanging out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you guys traveling much right now? Um, oh, I went to uh, Alaska last month, and that was my first pandemic-era press trip. But prior to that, it was actually Alaska in February, so two Alaskas in uh, like six months. What, what flight, what uh, airline did you fly? Alaska Al- Air? Or? Alaska Air, yep. Yeah. I was on United, and uh, I was a little freaked out because there was no, there was no social distancing on the planes. I thought, you know, Delta they really? take out they Delta they take out that middle seat or whatever. No, I mean we were just you know packed in. It was a little bit alarming, and they hand you the the wet wipe when you come in, and everybody washes down there. Dude, United uh, is United is trash. I fucking hate United. Yeah, I felt the same way. I've been on Spirit Alaska. At American Airlines, all of them do social distancing. All of them block the middle seat. If fucking Spirit can block middle seats, United can. Yeah, why is United not doing? I mean, it, it was they just you know packed everybody in on the plane, and uh, that just kind of freaked me out. Like United it. is a budget airline masquerading as a major airline. I can't stand it. Don't you feel like Delta is so superior to all of them? Honestly, yeah, I would say that. I do agree with that. Uh, of the U.S. airlines, my favorite airline yeah. ever is probably Qatar Airways. I've never flown them. Incredible, incredible. I bought the cheapest seat I could, and I felt like a king on this plane. It was incredible. And the food was actually really good. Three meals, 14-hour flight. It was awesome. On that sort of same topic, Todd, like when you're on those like fancier trips, like the the nicer hotels, like fancy restaurants, do you feel – I know we talked about this in Aruba a little bit. Do you feel like a fraud sometimes? That you're not, that you're there, like, as I do all the time. Yeah. Like, the fancy foodie gear, dinners, the wine tastings, the cool hotels. Like, who the fuck am I? Like, anyone who knows me knows that I have no business being in any of these situations. Give me a Jack and Coke and some greasy bar pizza, and I'm happy. Absolutely, because I'm the same way. I mean, fuck, I mean... (laughs) Yes, this fine food is wasted on me. I am not a foodie. I'll be the only one probably around that says, no, I'm not a foodie. I can care less. And I'm not a wine snob. And so you go to these, like, you know, we've all probably done the wine country press, press trips. I'm like, this is kind of wasted on me. And the properties, like you said, I stayed the nicest property I've ever stayed at. This I was with Matt Meltzer on this trip. Um, I was uh, in St. Lucia and I stayed at Jade Mount. It's unfucking believable. I had a full-time butler. I mean, a full-time 24-7 butler Jesus. that any, anything I needed. I, I said to him, you seriously, I can call you anytime? He said, yes, call me anytime, 24 hours a day, anything you need, anything you want. And you have your own private pool, so you have your, you know, your infinity pool. And I'm sitting there thinking, to answer your question, there's no fucking way any of my, fa- my family or friends – Am I going to write about Jade Mountain that they're ever going to be able to afford to go to Jade Mountain? But I, well, I, I have two points. First of all, I think that comes down to the pe- person curating the trip because they should be bringing journalists that write for luxury travel magazines. Like, where's the Condé journalist there? You know. And the second point I'll make is that I think that, like, you know, I did a wine country trip, and I'm not a wine snob either by any means. But I, I, I think that there's a way to play it as making that trip approachable for the general public or at least helping them 
find interest in it because like I'm not writing about wine like super snobby way. I'm trying to write about it how I know about wine, which is you drink it. But it is tough. It is tough to write because I've had friends that have like read, you know, uh, pieces that I've written and, you know, in like the daily here or whatever. And they're like, yeah, that sounds really great, Todd. But you think there's a way in fucking hell that I can bring my whole family and stay at, you know, the Four Seasons in Santa Barbara? Not going to happen, you know? I mean, and that's tough because you do feel a sense of obligation to the property, but you really also feel a sense of obligation to your readers or listeners um, that are, you know, to give them uh, the aspirational feeling that they can do this and follow the same trip. That's tough. Well, we're going to have to maybe get a PR person on here to answer this question, but I wonder what would happen if you got a press trip invite and asked for the itinerary, they sent it to you, and it was a solo trip, so you're not being you know, an asshole or egregious, but then you replied and were like, actually, what if you put me in this $75 a night hotel and I ate at the burger joint down the road and then went to the brewery? How about that? Because that's something that everybody I know is going to do if they go to your town. Would you do that, Tim, though? Like, so, all right, so say this. You get a pressure invite to, I don't know where, like, say it's fucking, like, all right, uh, Whistler, all right? They put you in, like, the nicest place, like, beautiful ski lodge, but you know it's out of the price range of, like, the Matador audience. Would you ever actually email them saying, put me in the Holiday Inn? Yeah. Or put me, put no. me in, like, the local place. Fuck no. I've never even thought about doing that until right now. Tim, zero integrity. Zero integrity, Tim. As as we're going to sound. Hey, wait, I've got to tell you guys one other thing. Uh, when I did the Finland trip, tell me, you, this is industry people will like this too. Um, they, uh, I was there during the midnight sun, you know, so it was light all the time. But they, they sauna over there all the time, right? And they, uh, there, were, there was an option to go in with all your industry people to a naked sauna. And I was like, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to go with all these other journalists because they're very free and open in Finland. But the the organizers were like, now, you know, we we do have the uh, closing, uh, you know, clothing ones and then the naked saunas. Oof. Would you ever do that? Well, Todd, you were, this was the trip with uh, where you fell in love, right? Yeah. You saw her though. She was beautiful. Wasn't yeah, she? So, yeah. So what do you, I mean, did you not even consider the naked sauna with your girl or what? Maybe just with her. Maybe just with her. I did, I did sauna with her, but go with a bunch of other gnarly journalists and sit around naked. No way. Here's a question. Would you, if given the opportunity, hook up on a press trip with another press person? <laughs> given this, the professional situation and, you know, question one is with another like writer Question two is with a PR person. Never a PR person. So those PR girls are so many times so hot. I mean, they, they're they're so hot. I wouldn't do it. I would not allow myself to do that. Be, but would you? I, I think you would do it, Evan. But you don't have very high standards or morals either. <laughs> I, I like to think standards, yes. Morals, maybe no. But um, yeah, I don't think it would be the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, like, oh, I'm going to spend my energy on this trip, like pursuing the PR person. But like... If it was like the kind of thing where you were like vibing the whole time and like like last day of the trip, it was you're all drinking and it just kind of you know happens. That's that's fine. Yeah, Tim, pre marriage, would you? And then I want to know about would you do it with the journalist though? Would you do it with another journalist? I mean, honestly, like I don't I don't want to think that it's that that would be a morally wrong thing to do. Honestly, like 
if you're taking that risk, you're taking that risk. And you're certainly not the first or the last person that's going to do it. So I don't see why, unless it becomes a public thing, I don't really see why it would be such a huge deal. With the journalist or with the PR person? I mean, I think the PR person would be kind of another deal. But to be honest, I feel like it's more like the PR person should be the one that's not doing that. They're the trip lead. Okay, I think, well, you guys have both convinced me to to uh, to maybe go after these hot PR women and give it a shot because they're always are really cute girls. I mean, they are. Uh, when it comes to the when it comes to the other journalists, fuck if it happens that you know if it happens, it happens. I mean, I have to say that I suspect that it happens pretty regularly with a journalist. I mean, I mean with a PR person, fuck. It just feels like, but you know, but Tim's right. I mean, it's really in their hands if they're the if she's like, if she's like willing to do it, she has more to lose than you do. Yeah, I uh, as a professional staff writer at Matador Network, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. But you know what? If it was the situation presented itself, I have absolutely no idea what I would do. So I know what you'd do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, yeah. Well, before we move on to the next segment, I guess we the one thing we haven't touched on is. Uh, Todd, your previous life in uh, game show hosting. I don't know how much you want to get into this. We don't have to get into it in too much depth. But it's interesting because you pivoted sort of from that world to where you did some really interesting things to the travel writing sphere. Yeah. I mean, I'm still still a a reporter, uh, TV reporter, but I'm currently furloughed. Um, I still do radio. Uh, as a guest that, you know, they do where in the world is Todd or Todd about town. And then I call him from my destination. Yeah. But prior to this, I did um, a reality TV show. I wasn't a game show host, Dick. Mm, is it that different? Like do reality show hosts look down on game show hosts? Is there like a, a host hierarchy there? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So I did reality TV um, and that's a whole, probably another whole topic. And then I did, Home shopping. I was a home shopping host in between all of that. So yeah, there I was, the guy selling blow up mattresses at two in the morning. Where can we where can we find these recordings? Oh yeah, they're still out there. And then travel writing. Um, I wrote for the daily, for the uh, the daily uh, newspaper for the dailies here, and then uh, they needed somebody to start doing travel, so I did travel for them. And then I worked for our city magazine here, which uh, is Minneapolis St. Paul magazine and, and kind of their society writer covering events and uh, galas and fundraisers. But all those things don't exist anymore. So that's kind of sucks. Too. So is your, are you still doing the Todd About Town? Yep. Still doing the Todd About Town. And uh, is it just you like know, you sitting in your living room all the time because you can't like actually go anywhere? Let's check in with Todd again. Ah, he's just sitting on the couch. It, it's a challenge, man, doing the Todd about town and trying to bring bring events and what people can do because you know it's uh, there isn't much going on. All right, well, Todd might not be about town much these days, but he can at least help us read this week's listener story. You ready, Todd? All right, okay, I am. I am ready. I live in Phoenix, returning home from a trip to Japan last year. I had a flight booked into LAX and then on to Phoenix. I'd been in Japan for a month working remotely, and though I had a great time, I also realized that if I wanted to keep up the lifestyle of working on the road, I was going to need to make more money. Tokyo is expensive. The final week in Tokyo, I'd sent out a few resumes to American tech companies hoping to land an interview for after my return. 
To my surprise, I landed one with a company that was based in Miami, but let its IT development employees work remotely most of the year. Needless to say, I was ecstatic after a great Japan trip and the possibility of more in the future. I canceled my final leg from LAX to Phoenix and booked myself into Miami for the interview. I spent most of the 12 hours overseas flight from Tokyo to LAX prepping and reading about the company. My plan was to study now and relax on the flight to Miami. I had one night at a hotel and the interview the following morning. Only one problem. My flight to LA landed at LAX, but the flight to Miami was from John Wayne Airport in Orange County. Sloppily, I hadn't noticed uh, this when booking the tickets. I had two hours to get from LAX to Orange County Airport through security and onto my plane. I hopped in a cab, and that was when it all went to hell. Traffic was at a standstill. I figured I was screwed. I'd have to tell the company I wasn't going to make it to the scheduled interview. Ask them to reschedule and hope that that didn't toss me to the back of the list of candidates. I was frantically explaining my situation to the cab driver when he suddenly had an idea. Why didn't I look for flights to Orlando, Jacksonville, or Gainesville and drive down? Brilliant, I thought. I hope it works. I was in luck. There was a 9 o'clock to Orlando. I booked a flight. $500 at the last minute. I also rented a car for a pickup that night. I wasn't going to get much sleep before my nine o'clock interview, but so be it. I made it to my hotel and then to the interview the next morning. To answer your question, yes, I got the job and I'm currently writing this from Buenos Aires where I've been since pre-COVID. End of story. Resourceful, man. Resourceful. Thank God he had the cab driver that kind of uh, thought outside the box a little bit. And thankfully, Florida has a lot of big airports that are within a few hours drive of Miami. It's funny because I think a lot of people would hear that story and think that sounds like an absolute nightmare. I don't want to ever be in a position where I'm like working from the road and like that's my life having to deal with like crazy travel snafus like that. Yeah, I think other people are like, that sounds fun. Like I like having to problem solve and like figure shit out. And you know, don't overlook the uh, option of taking a, a bus. I mean, Evan, when I did the Windjammer one that you set me up on, I ended up taking a a nice, I mean, a very nice bus with Wi-Fi and movies and a little bag of pretzels and water uh, from, from, uh, from Boston up to Rockland. And yeah, I mean, and that, it was a nice bus line. So you, you, you should just be resourceful and figure out ways to get places and, you know, not as expensive either. To me, there's something weirdly like romantic about like taking a train across Europe, but taking a bus across Europe, it's just like, I'm just like this peasant on a bus, you know? Well, yeah, that's, well, that's the issue though. I think train or bus travel has like a stigma to it for some reason that I don't, because it, and that's in the US, like when you're in Asia or like in Mexico, they travel intercity by these nice coach buses all the time. It's like the normal way to get from Mexico City to Carretero or wherever you're going like, and that's fine. You know. All right, Todd. Well, we're about to move into our next segment, but if you want to join us for the lightning round, you can feel free, man. I'd like to just hear it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, first lightning round guest, Todd. It's a treat. It's our first guest that's joined us for a lightning round. Todd's going to go the distance today. Yeah, let's hear it. All right, Tim, if you could travel with one celebrity, who would it be? I mean, wouldn't Tom DeLonge be the obvious answer? For you, yes. Tim's a massive Blink-182 fan, so Todd, you got an answer? Wow. 
I was trying. I was thinking of like hot women that I want to travel with. Yeah, but they, you're you're assuming though that you would hook up with them. What if they? What if it was not a hookup situation and you just have to like sit there with them for like four days? Okay. Yeah. All right. So you know, so for the practicality, who would be a great conversationalist and who's interviewed more people than probably you know anybody, I probably wouldn't mind sitting next to Jay Leno and having Jay Leno share stories of people that he's interviewed. I mean, you, can you imagine all the legendary stories he'd have? Yeah, that would be cool. So Jay Leno. All right. What is the worst meal you've ever eaten abroad? That's a tough one. I, I'm trying to think here. I would probably have to say... Don't hold back. We need restaurant names. We need waiter names. All of it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I love traveling to Asia largely because of the food. But some of, I've had some some street food. I, I, would think, I think I would have to say... That one time in Chiang Mai, I had uh, a sticky rice dish that was terrible. And I I think that generally that sticky rice is really good. But I think this was like not good sticky rice from a night market. And it just was not. It was it was awful. The tough thing, Tim, about yours, about the sticky rice thing is you can't even leave a bad review on Yelp or anything because it's just a street food stand. Those guys can get away with murder. Well, it's crazy, too, because it's so... I've had some of the best meals from street stalls in both Latin America and Asia, and that one just was not good. All right. Uh, what is the worst piece of travel advice you've ever been given? Or like the worst advice that you think is pretty ubiquitous that like you see, you hear a lot on online or whatever? I, I hate to say it, but I think the biggest piece of ubiquitous misinformation regarding travel is that you need to be super cautious, more so than you would be walking around a city in the U.S., because I don't think that's true. I mean, I've freaking walked across Kuala Lumpur from one side to the other. And not to say that something couldn't go wrong, but it could anywhere. And it's not any more dangerous to do it somewhere else than it is in Chicago or New York or Denver or anything. Uh, I, I think that if you have your wits about you and you aren't acting like an idiot, you're just as safe anywhere. Every time I rent a car in a foreign country and I tell people what I'm doing like back home, they always say like, oh my God, like I heard that people over there are horrible drivers or they're crazy drivers, like be careful. And the driving is the same everywhere in the world, pretty much. There's this sense that like, oh, a car abroad, like that's, that must be crazy. It's like, no, like Italy driving is not crazy. They're, they're better drivers than they are in fucking Boston. It's, it seems more reckless, but they just like, because their, their roads literally have less rules, but they know how to like self-govern and they're, they're pretty safe. Probably I'm going to go, go down the road of worst advice and what's uh, kind of bugs me. I don't know why it just bugs me. It, when people say, "Oh, I never go to, uh, I never go to the mainstream places. I always talk to the locals and find out where." That's such a fucking piece of shit. When people say that, and I say, I say, do your own research beforehand. But the the annoying person, the annoying traveler that says, "Oh yeah, I, I never, I, I never go to mainstream. I always just." I always go off beaten track and just to where the locals go. That's such a bunch of bullshit. If you ask some of my fucking knob friends here locally where, you know, what to do, they'd send you to shitty places, you know? I mean, Mall of America. Yeah, they would. Yeah, exactly. They would. There's people here that would say, oh, uh, yeah, you got to go to the Mall of America. I haven't fucking been to the Mall of America. I can't even remember the last time. 
yeah. So it's I, funny, like as as an editor, if you use the term "off the beaten path" in a oh. story, I'm probably not going to work with you again. Like, yeah. I will take that out of your story and immediately judge you. Yeah. That's not, why is it? Why does it annoy me? I mean, it just annoys me. You know? Well, it's it's funny because like our whole thing, like Manador is is very like we try do try to focus on like off the beaten path experiences, yeah. but when you write about those things enough, they become on the beaten path. And it's almost like what we do is is designed to expose hidden gems and make them not hidden gems anymore. So yeah. if we do our job well, there are no hidden gems. Yeah, no, Sometimes going to a tourist attraction, there's a reason why it's a tourist attraction. Sometimes they suck, but there are some good ones. And avoiding that takes away your experience of doing something. It's also how you how you communicate it. It's never just someone who's like, I try and check out like local spots. It's always like, um, I don't really want to go to the mainstream spot. Like I only want to go where like the locals say that I should go and like get authentic experiences. Oh God, I just hate it. And I just, but just hate that whole attitude. And because it, it's like they're pointing the finger at you as you're being way too, uh, way too pedestrian. Like, oh, I never go to those kind of places. I only go you know, to off the beaten path places. And you're like, fuck you. Todd, what is your opinion on fast food abroad? Not necessarily press trips. Cause I, it's a kind of a bad look if you're like getting McDonald's on a fresh trip, but like fast food abroad. I wrote an article about this and it was fairly controversial. I, my opinion is you want to eat fast food, eat fast food. But then there's the people that are like, I would never ever touch KFC in Asia because I only have to eat street food. I will only eat local food. It's like, but you know what? Sometimes we're in the mood for KFC. Uh, yeah, well, I think we're probably on the same team there. But remember, once again, I am so not a foodie at all. To me, like, to me, it's like just like nourishment. It's like you know feeding my body. So, but to those people that say I never eat fast food, when I was in Finland, I fucking loved going into into like KFC and Taco Bell. And McDonald's because they had weird shit on the menu. It's different. Yeah. I'd yeah. never seen before. I was like, this is awesome. And then I decided, well, one night I better eat the street food. And I went to some fucking hole in the wall place that, you know, that the locals said I yeah. should go to. And I was like, this is shit. I don't <laughs> like this crap. And I walked a mile to go to this place and, you know, sit there to, because the locals suggested it. Fuck that. I mean, I think, yeah. And there's an angle like, I I don't eat fast food much, I, I would say, but it, it, I'm probably more likely to eat it abroad in an airport or something than I am at home. Because when I'm at home, I know the restaurants I like to go to and I'm going to go there. I would agree. You know, same here. All right. I have one more question. Have you ever been a reckless tourist and broken the rules or the law abroad? I, yeah, I was a drunk idiot in um, Athens. I went in and some it's evidently it's a it's a scam that they do all the time. Some little old man uh, came up to me and said, oh, I want to learn English. I want to talk English. And he was like, you know, four foot one. And he kept following me, kept following me. He said, let me buy you a beer, brought me into a, uh, a this place. And I was like, fuck, who does who? I don't have a beer. What the hell with this little old man? And turns out it was a brothel. Yep. And he gets up. He goes away. You've heard this story. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. I was a fucking dumb American tourist. Classic. Two Russian women come and sit next to me. And then they make me buy them. They want me to buy them a drink. And it was the whole scenario we've all heard about. And, of course, I, I, I took off. I went out the front door and the, some guy chased me down the street and 
Yeah. So that was just being an <laughs> idiot. But evidently that happens all the time. Yep. The textbook Eastern European stripper slash prostitute scam. Yeah. It's you know it's coming and it's still hard to fight it off sometimes, you know? I know, I know, I know. All right. You're up, Evan. What are your thoughts on hanging out at a hotel bar by yourself? And this isn't like a nice hotel. This is like a regular hotel. Uh, I think if if I have a chance of potentially like meeting someone there, like if it's like busy, if there's people there that I could like sit next to and talk to, then I'm down. I'll do that. I have done that. Uh, If it's just like a holiday in express and there's like no one there but me, then it's not. I would not even consider doing it's that. It's funny so. because when I wrote this question, I was picturing in my head a Holiday Inn bar that I drank at in Vermont. I have absolutely no problem with it. I, I actually kind of like it. I like hotel. I mean, I, I'm with you there, Evan. I'm you know, like if it's a if it's a you know a Holiday Inn in you know Bismarck. Fuck, I'm gonna go find a VFW and I'm gonna go to a VFW or something. But. I don't have any problem with sitting in a hotel bar. You always fucking meet some interesting characters. It's a great place to, uh, you know, do your creative uh, improv skills and uh, stretch your stories a little bit. <laughs> it's everybody, everybody, everybody does sure, it in sure. a hotel bar. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll go out by myself. Like, I'll go to like a real bar where I think I might actually be able to meet people. Because that, to me, is the whole point of of drinking. Sort of is just like. If I can't meet people, if I'm just like alone at a dead bar, it's not fun. So like I'd, I would go, I would either go out to a real bar, like look it up, find find out like what's a good spot around the corner and go or just stay in my room. I'm not going to go sit at like the bar at the Holiday Inn and just be by myself for three hours. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't drink by yourself in your hotel room, which is something that I will do. If I'm on a trip by myself and I'm like in the room working at night, I'll totally have a beer or a cocktail while I'm sitting there on my laptop, like typing out a story or watching a movie or whatever. Tim goes shot for shot with himself. I don't sit there and like get wasted to the point where I'm going to be hung over the next day. But anyway, moving on to beyond my sad drinking stories. <laughs> have you ever turned down food on a press trip? I've never turned down food in my entire life for any reason. Okay. Did you eat the Rocky Mountain oysters when we were in Estes Park or not Estes Park, Grand Lake this summer? I'm I'm on uh, I'm on camera as, as having eaten those things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. You are now that I think those about th- it. those are fine. No, I, I I'm trying to think of like what I 100 percent wouldn't eat. I was on a press trip recently, and they brought us to like their famous bakery, and it, you know I'm just not a big huge morning eater anyway, and it was like you know 6:37 in the morning, and they had like big huge like frosted cinnamon rolls and all that, a big, just all these really heavy sugar laden foods. And I was like, I just, this is going to ruin my entire morning. The trip I did to Louisiana Bayou was like a food trip. The day of that trip was the most food I've ever eaten in a single day. And I couldn't stop myself. Like it was just meal after meal after meal. And that's how little self-control I have. I actually wrote down on like a notepad on my phone, everything I ate that day. And it started with the, with the Hampton Inn Continental Breakfast because like I, I knew I was going to be eating a ton that day and I still couldn't pass up a free Ham, Hampton Inn Breakfast. It was Hampton Inn Continental Breakfast. I just wrote down everything. The meat We went to a meat market at like 9, 9.30, had shrimp, pork, blood, beef, 
sausages, Jeez. followed by a hog's cheese square, three beef jerkies. They went to like an old time festival, had jambalaya, shrimp stew, three beignets, and a piece of three cake. beignets. Then we went to yeah, a, I can't, I can't do that. Three stuff. beignets, and then went to a tailgate, the NSU tail, a Nichols State University tailgate. Had a jumble, more jambalaya, pesto pasta, four mini pumpkin donuts. And then we went to a pizza place because I, of course, had to try the pizza in Louisiana. And the only thing they had was a kid's pizza because they wouldn't make slices before like 1 a.m. Um, and then dinner was flounder and crawfish bread. Dinner two, we went to another place, was alligator pie followed by apple cinnamon crumble and ice cream. And then I have down here dinner three slash breakfast one, two slices of pizza because we went out. I went out with the other journalist at like 1 a.m. and got slices from the place that wouldn't give me slices earlier in the day. So how did you? That was my day. How did you eat all that? It was fucking miserable. But I couldn't. I couldn't like say no to any of it. If you put free food in front of my face, like I'm gonna eat it, and I just can't. That's a lot of food. Now I think Tim, Tim and I are maybe in the camp that if you put free alcohol in front of our face, I can't say no. All right. Well, that's uh, that's about it. Congrats, Todd. You made you made it the distance on a no blackout day. Yeah. yeah, it was really fun. You guys do a great, you guys do a great job. Well, yeah, thanks, man, and thanks for spending a couple hours here Saturday. Good to see you. Well, hey, we got to figure out how to travel together at some point. I know. I would love to do that, man. Just even if it's, it's just some place in the United States, that would be great. I know. It just it always seems to not work out, but we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. All right, guys, take care. Have a great Saturday. Take it easy, man. Take it easy, Todd. Well, that does it for this episode of No Blackout Dates. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new content. We are going to be coming at you every single week with brand new guests, brand new crazy travel stories. If you have your own wild travel story to submit to us, make sure to email it to noblackoutdatespod at gmail.com or you can DM me or Tim on Instagram. And hey, while you're at it, drop us a note in the review section letting us know your thoughts on drinking alone at the hotel bar and whether or not you would ever eat at a McDonald's abroad. There is no judgment here. This is a judgment-free zone. That's it for us. We'll catch you next time.